and pro- This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour open-line talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. To express your viewpoint, please call 804-754-1988. That's 804-754-1988. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. Is death our enemy or our friend? The Bible says that the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. And yet, all of us will experience it unless we're taken to heaven first. And so all of us are going to have to deal with this issue of grief. Grief has no timeline. And grief happens to all. One of the areas in which we experience the greatest grief is in our families. I have around the broadcast desk today, as always, a number of beautiful, wonderful plaques that give messages concerning our family. I'd like to share one of them with you. It says, family, where life begins and love never ends. Another says, our family is a circle of love with every challenge faced, every blessing celebrated, and every joy shared. Our circle is strengthened together. We are unbreakable as a family because family is forever. Is family forever? Well, it depends upon how you look at it. My wife and I consider our family to be forever, except that we know that death, well, it happens to all. We know that it is appointed unto man once to die, and after that the judgment. And so we all must be prepared On the other hand, how in the world do you prepare for sudden death? How do you prepare for a situation that just shocks the family and shocks everyone around? I'm recalling a man who penned a song. Many of us are familiar with the song that uh, talks about how our life is full and it is well with my soul. How could the man pen that song when his entire family had been destroyed at sea? It is well with my soul. How do we move from deep grief to things being well with our soul? Since grief has no timeline, and even Jesus grieved. You may recall that Jesus was called to minister to his deep friend, his dear friend Lazarus. Mary and Martha, Lazarus' sisters, uh, called to Jesus and said, Our brother is sick and he's dying. Please come. And Jesus delayed. He delayed four days because he knew what he must do. But when he arrived at the place where the family was, they reported that Lazarus had been long dead. In fact, he had been dead four days. And the Bible says, Jesus wept. It's the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. In other words, Jesus, as the God-man, experienced grief. Not only did Jesus experience grief concerning Lazarus and his passing, but he experienced grief concerning the whole family that God had pledged his 
commitment to the children of Israel. And just before Jesus passed, looking over Jerusalem, he grieved. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that persecutest the prophets, how I would have brought you as a chicken gathers its chicklets under my wings, and you would not. Grief, you see, seems to be a universal thing. Even Jesus grieved. And we're going to grieve. All of us are going to have situations in which we grieve. But sometimes that grief comes very surprisingly. And the question is, when someone passes, when someone passes that's dear to us, is that going to break the circle? Is that going to break the circle of life? Is it going to break the circle of family? And a famous song actually came from that idea. In fact, Johnny Cash actually sang the song, Will the Circle Be Unbroken? I tried to bring up Johnny Cash for you to hear today, but the sound quality was not as good as it should have been. So you're going to hear just a few bars from Randy Travis, Will the Circle Be Unbroken? Listen carefully. There's a better home awaiting in the sky, Lord, in the sky. Well, unfortunately, the volume seemed to be a bit low, and the question then hovers over us. Will the circle be unbroken? By and by, Lord, by and by, will the circle be unbroken? Do you have a family member that has passed, and you're not sure that they're going to be with the Lord? Do you have a family member that, well, is on the edge of passing for this life and you're, you're concerned about their relationship with the Lord? Will that circle that you have valued be broken or unbroken? That's the question that hovers over our conversation here today with our special guest, uh, Bob Arnold, is uh, joining us with his book, When the Circle is Broken. When the Circle is Broken. It's a journey through deep sorrow and surprising joy in the loss of the daughter, his daughter, the daughter of he and his wife. At the age of 23, she passed suddenly, they had no clue, and she was gone. Now what? That's where John, uh, Bob Arnold enters the scene here on Viewpoint Today. Bob, it's good to have you on the program. Thank you for having me. This uh, event occurred uh, a number of years ago, did it not? Yeah, it's actually 18 years ago. Yeah, and you still remember it like yesterday, don't you? Yep, and uh, you know, the tears and the sorrows still come once in a while, just the loss, you know. Well, I'm looking so. at Marcy's uh, picture, Marcy Renee Arnold, she was born in 1979. She passed away in 2002. And uh, you say at the beginnings that she shined brightly on this earth for 23 years. And yep. uh, she was a your firstborn, was she not? Yes, yes. 
it's tough to lose a child, but it's almost tougher in some respects to lose the firstborn, isn't it? Yeah, very tough, you know. So, and it was a very painful thing for us, for everybody in our family, for that to happen. How did Marcy you know, pass? Had, what was the problem? Well, we didn't know this, but we had a genetic, genetic condition in our family called uh, a prolonged QTC, which is basically your heart, uh, the, your heartbeat prolongs, and if you don't have a defibrillator or something close to start the heart back up. Basically, you know, you, you basically have a, an electrical failure of your heart and you die. So mm. she was telephone with a friend of hers. Uh, all of a sudden, the telephone went dead. And, uh, you know, back in those days, we just started using telephones. So right. she thought her telephone. Well, we'll pick up on that after this break. Friends, we're talking with uh, Bob Arnold when the circle is broken. We're going to have an open conversation here concerning how to handle grief. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chrismeyer. Our viewpoint concerning death and life, life and death, uh, determines destiny. And how we handle the issue of death may also determine our destiny. Some people actually have said to have died of grief, died of a broken heart. And so grief has consequences. I'm looking right now at a title that, uh, or at least a, a subtitle, that I thought would be appropriate for our program here today. Coming to Grips with Grief. And uh, our special guest, Bob Arnold, uh, the father of Marcy Arnold, who passed away at the age of 23. Shockingly, the family did not know, I don't think, of this particular heart condition, only to discover that the entire family, all the children, suffer from this particular condition. And that brings even more, uh, well, even grief uh, to the family. And so uh, Bob is joining us. His book is called When the Circle is Broken, Their Journey Through Deep Sorrow and Surprising Joy and the Loss of Their Daughter. I think it might speak to your heart. $16 will put the book in your hands. It's on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. You can give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA, 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, two. 3255, writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. Bob, uh, how many children do you have? Uh, we Well, we had four children, including Marcy, and mm-hmm. so we have three children alive. So, and, uh, but, you know, you, you never know the depths of sorrow that you face when you get a phone call from a coroner uh, eight hours away and telling you that your, your daughter has died. And, of course... My wife, when she first got the call, she's saying, why are you calling us? Why are you telling us this? This isn't mm-hmm. true, Marcy. And so I got on. And Yeah, your your wife thought uh, that the call was actually probably for someone else. Yeah, or it was a prank, you know. And, mm-hmm. you know, I got on the phone, and he very uh, peacefully told me what had happened. And 
she had been dead for a couple of days and her friends wow. were worried about it. And so they went over to her apartment and checked and found her dead in, in her apartment. And at that world, at that point, the whole world changed. Yeah. And, and it wasn't from that, drugs. It wasn't from suicide. It yeah. was a heart condition. Did you, did you and your wife know of this condition before this? Never heard of it before. And we weren't really sure what happened, you know, mm-hmm. You know, a lot of athletes have this problem. You've seen them play sports, and all of a sudden they collapse. And, hmm. you know, people do have this sudden death kind of thing. But most of the time, it's an electrical failure of the heart. Mm-hmm. So, but, uh, you know, at that moment, I mean, we were just completely helpless. Yeah. She's eight on play. You know, we know very few of her friends down there. And, you know, your system immediately just goes into shock because it's beyond your capability and understanding and feeling what happened. You have been in ministry for many, many years with uh, Youth for Christ, haven't you? Right, right, 40 years, yeah. Wow. I remember some very important times with uh, Youth for Christ, Youth for Christ rallies when I was a teenager in Wichita, Kansas. Uh, Youth wow. for Christ was a very big thing at that time in the late 1950s and early yeah. 1960s, and... Uh, Boy, I have some very, very favorable memories of, of that experience there. But you've been involved uh, with Youth for Christ for 40 years, huh? Yeah, 40 years. And so I was director for about 30 of those years. Mm-hmm. We had a pretty good program in Baltimore, you know, just a tremendous ministry to kids that are not part of the church and they were not Christians. And then a tremendous retreat ministry where over like a, about a 30-year period, we had 25,000 kids that turned our we were a part of our retreats that we had in Ocean City, Maryland. Mm. And uh, how did, uh, what was Marcy's role in the family? Yes, she was the firstborn, but how did her yeah. siblings uh, relate to her? Well, you know, she was sort of the superstar that everybody loved. And, <laughs> you know, when you're reading the book about her relationship with my daughter, Julie, they were just so close, and it was such a wonderful relationship. And Marcy was sort of her, you know, sort of her mentor, and so that was very good. But she sort of led the way. You know, she got a full scholarship to a very significant private school in Baltimore. She was a good athlete, but mm-hmm. athletes weren't her life. Her life was about being great friends to all kinds of people, and mm-hmm. people just loved her, you know. So she was just such a great person from that standpoint. And, you know, her name sort of means helper and, you know, a motor of other people and hmm. that was Mark. she would you know we went to the bahamas and she knew every kid's name that we had in our ministry then right away everybody else is trying to figure them all out she has them all and the right. kids there love much as that you know well it's so. an amazing gift uh <clears throat> some people are just na- more natural in that regard than others uh, it sounds like mm-hmm. she really had a profound heart of hospitality yeah she really did you know and uh of course, one of the stories in the book is, you know, Marcy was a helper sometimes to a fault, and one of her friends at school was having a lot of problem, and um, she was doing some drinking, so Marty, Marcy brought some drink or some wine home to the school, and they ended up getting caught, you know. Ooh. Well, sometimes so, young people uh, uh, make mistakes in trying to uh, please uh, their their friends and so on, and it gets them in trouble. I have yeah. a question for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, as one who was involved in a leader in Youth for Christ for 40 years, uh, yeah. was your daughter 
Marcy a true follower of Jesus Christ? Yeah, she really was a follower of Jesus Christ. And when she was in middle school, she brought all her friends to, uh, you know, to our campus life meetings. And a lot mm-hmm. of those kids and Christians. And she was also always somebody that was influencing other people, you know. And so, you know, when somebody dies and you're faced with the deepness of the sorrow, you know, you're, I have to be honest and say to you about three days after I was up early in the morning praying and, man, is it, you know, I got to know if Marcy's in heaven. And God just said, you know, I read Psalm, I forget which one it was, Psalm 31, and, and God really assured me with God, there's great mercy, you know, and well, yes, if, she, if she had uh, confessed Christ as her Savior and was walking with him as Lord, uh, yeah. then uh, what further assurances did you need? Yeah, right. That's the thing. It's just that, you know, when you get to that point where you face that deep reality with your own kid, it sort of stops you a minute mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. go on a deeper level. And some know? people will try to rationalize. They'll try to uh, self-justify uh, for their children uh, realizing yeah. that their child wasn't walking with the Lord, but trying to find some way uh, right. to provide a parental purgatory for the child right. <laughs> to right. let them in. But you didn't have that situation. Yeah. So, you know, I just had to have that time where I just really went deep into my soul to be sure of what was going on. You know, mm-hmm. just, somebody dies that close to you, it's, you know, it, it runs deep, you know, so. And And you don't get over it in a day or two, do you? No, you never get over it. You know, it's what they say is a wound that is inside of you that never leaves you, you know. So when you wrote this book, uh, what was on your heart uh, when you wrote it? Well, I knew the deep, deep pain that I felt in those days. Mm -hmm. Further and further I got into it, I'm... I'm thinking of all the people that have have to walk through this. And I wanted to be really, really honest. And I wanted to let them know I went through very, very deep. And my whole family went through deep, deep sorrow. And it was beyond comprehension, some of the things that we walked through. But I wanted people to know. I wasn't going to just give them the easy answers that, well, she's dead. Everything's wonderful. She's in heaven. You know, that's Mm -hmm. true. But there's also a, a true reality of missing being with the person here on earth, especially sure. a child. And so I, I want them to know that, you know, I wanted them to know how that I had to be honest. I had to deal with everything. And I wanted them to know that that's really a path to, to freedom in this whole situation. But I didn't want to give them an easy answer. I wanted to tell them the truth about what happened to me. And, sure. You know, the first three years after she died, I wrote 1,500 pages in a journal. And a lot of that became the foundation for the book later. I noticed that uh, Daryl Scott, the uh, father of uh, Rachel Scott, who lost her life five years earlier in the Columbine uh, High School tragedy uh, there in Colorado, uh, here she was, a 17-year-old young lady who uh, had her whole life before her. It was obvious to everyone that she was a strong uh, believer, was standing for the Lord, and even right. at the moment of her death, when faced with uh, the worst uh, high school mass tragedy ever mm-hmm. uh, at that time, uh, a gun was pointed at her head, and she was mm-hmm. asked if she believed in God. And rather right. than play around, rather than uh, uh, prevaricate and make excuses, she said, 
well, yes, I do. And immediately she was blown away. And yeah. uh, so she actually was a, a martyr for the faith. But nobody right. would have ever, ever believed that uh, the family would be missing her the next day, would they? Yeah, right. And, you know, Daryl and I are good friends. And, of course, we had him speak at our conferences in Ocean City. And just some very powerful things happened mm. in those days. But one day when Daryl spoke, he came back to me and said, you know, I really felt the presence of Marcy and Rachel being with us tonight, you know. So that mm. was very powerful. Yeah. You know, there's a, great... a, there's a passage that, uh, it's not a mm-hmm. biblical passage, but it's a quote that I frequently think of, learned when I was a kid, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's right. done for Christ will last. And we don't yeah. know. We don't know when one of our children is going to pass. We don't know yeah. when our spouse is going to pass. We don't know when our best friend is going to pass. We just don't yeah. know any of those things and therefore, it behooves us to conduct ourselves accordingly as if today may be the last day. Yep. And, you know, I have one of the, one of the chapters in the book was really about making every day count. Mm-hmm. I one actually highlighted some things in that chapter because I, yeah. I felt that that was perhaps one of the most important uh, outtakes from the entire book. Yeah. And that's, uh, you know... My father growing up, I played athletes every season. He went to one game in like 12 years and was telling my children that when they were younger. They couldn't believe it because, you know, my wife and I went to every game for our children and mm-hmm. we're so thankful at that time with them, you know. And just all the family time, we just, you know, we can look back and say we had some great, great times with Marcy. Of course, we would like to have more. We sure. weren't perfect parents. You know, people have got to realize that today's the day, right? Yeah. And, and and that's why the scripture says today is the day of salvation. Today, yeah. harden not your heart. Don't wait for yeah. tomorrow because tomorrow may not come. Yeah. yeah. And there were no tomorrows for Marcy uh, at right. 23 years of age. There were no tomorrows for Rachel Scott at 17 right. years of age. No tomorrows yeah. whatsoever. And so yeah. we need what we can do and be, we must do and be while we have time. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I have a, one of the conclusions that I have from a book is, you know, I talk a lot about the past and the future and the present, but, mm-hmm. you know, to be full, to, to be fully present in the present moment and the presence of the Holy spirit. And I think there is this thing of learning to just every day be fully present to God and be aware of, of everything that's going on in that day. Absolutely. Uh, in we, we tend to think about way in the future sometime, living for retirement, right. for instance, uh, living right. for uh, the next big deal, living for who knows what it is, and yep. lose sight of the glorious moment in which we're living. And because of that, we actually lose the joy that has been set before us today. Yeah. And that's, you know, one of the real lessons of the book is, you know, the present moment is the really most important moment. But sometimes because of the guilt of the past or whatever, especially for parents that lose a child, Mm -hmm. you know, in their life and guilt, you know, and, 
I, I, you know, I really one day was meditating. It became very clear to me that Marcy has forgiven us for everything where we failed as parents. But, you well, know, there are no in... perfect parents, and your parenting, or lack thereof, had nothing whatsoever to do with uh, Marcy losing her life, did, she, did it? Yep. And then the other thing, like you say, people live in, in, the, in the future, and, you know, fear can dominate the future. Am I going to have enough money to retire? Am I going to have enough money for tomorrow? You know? Mm-hmm. And so... You know, fear causes them to live in the future and miss the present. Shame causes them to live in the past and miss miss the present. Wow, that's absolutely right. (laughs) When the Circle is Broken, that's the title of the book, uh, Our Journey Through Deep Sorrow and Surprising Joy in the Loss of Our Daughter. $16. We'll put it in your hands, friends. It's on our website, saveus.org. Give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, on the front page are two great videos. First, an interview and discussion of Chuck's book, Out of Egypt. Also, a great TV interview with Chuck regarding his book, Seduction of the Saints. Much more videos, a for pastors only section, and also you can view Chuck's weekly teachings. All at his website. SaveUs.org. That's SaveUs.org. Also on Chuck's website, listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast. Listen to the archives. Maybe you missed a program. Check it out at SaveUs.org. Also, there are some great resources, hospitality information, also information about marriage, divorce, and remarriage, newsletters, articles, prophecy, Prayer and revival information, all at saveus.org. Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. Today we're dealing with uh, coming to grips, actually, with grief. Comes to get uh, to grips with grief, uh, particularly concerning the passing of those that we have held dear, uh, children, grandchildren, uh, spouses, uh, friends, and so on. Death is a universal experience of the human condition. God said it would be. Uh, he said that, that uh, you know, death happens to all of us, and it, because of sin. Death happens to all of us because of sin. And the Scripture also says that Jesus was sent to take death, to uh, experience death for us because of this very fear that human beings have of death. It haunts human beings like an animal, and it holds us in a kind of slavery. You can read about that in Hebrews, by the way, chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. On the other hand, David in the Psalms said, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Well, that was exactly the situation regarding Uh, Sharon Gluck, whose life we celebrated at her passing this last Monday, one of the longest-term listeners to this program, who actually raised her children on this program and discipled them with this program for years. She did not fear death. She lived life to the fullest. Does her husband, Bob, grieve? Absolutely he does. He grieves. 
we were grieving. And we grieved openly on the air. On the other hand, the scripture tells us that death has been swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. Well, if we're walking in righteousness before the Lord, then the sting, the ultimate sting of death is removed, and we have temporal grief. And that is what our friend Bob Arnold is talking about with his wife in the book, When the Circle is Broken, our journey through deep sorrow and surprising joy in the loss of our 23-year-old firstborn daughter. Now, I'd like to know, uh, Bob, uh, how did your wife respond to this differently than you? Yeah, I think and that's a very important understanding this whole situation that uh, everybody grieves differently. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so, you know, for her, you know, she was angry and it was hard for her to come to grips with this. And she had a tremendous experience that helped her deal with that. But, you know, all Chuck, right. Well, she was me. angry. She was angry yeah. at what? Anger always has an object. Uh, was she angry yeah. at God? She was angry that you know she that Marcy died and you know and this whole situation that she mm-hmm. wasn't with her and it, just one of the ugly situations that happened to us. Mm-hmm. You know, had her body cremated at Myrtle Beach, and they sent it to us in the mail, and we picked up the mail, or when the mailman dropped it off. It was in a package, and the package was leaking oh, her wow. ash out of, out of the package. Mm. And so it was like took, adding insult to injury. Took Jeannie to another level, but she went out on the out on the our porch and sat down and said to God, "I've had it. I can't take anymore. I don't, you know, you've mm. got to do something to do it now." Mm. And he very powerfully read her, came to her with John sixteen nineteen through twenty two. Mm. Very true. I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. Well, you will you will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. And wow. So now I'm a grief, but I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take away our joy. Just giving her a concert, you know, the comfort mm-hmm. that someday again I'll see Marcy, and just a, you know, it's one of those times when the scriptures are so loud and so wonderful and so beautiful. Yeah, but the scripture also says that weeping endures for a night, but joy comes in the morning. So there's nothing wrong with the weeping. Jesus wept. Jesus wept over Jerusalem. He wept over the death of his friend uh, Lazarus, even though he knew he was going to raise him to life. Uh, I believe that God the Father grieves. He grieves over uh, those of us, supposedly, claiming to be his children when we're walking uh, errantly, when we're rebelling against him, he grieves. Don't you think so? Absolutely, you know. And, you know, I read a quote, which is a beautiful quote, that, you know, the sadness over Marcy's death was God's first. You know, we forget that we are caretakers of our children, that they're really, really? his children. Yeah, and, really. You know, he really. And he really, you know, he was the first one to mourn over the thing. And then obviously he's the son of sorrow and he joined us in just very intimate, wonderful ways in terms of us dealing with our sorrow. You know, there's a famous uh, classical song called Man of Sorrows, What a Name. Yeah. Or the yeah. Uh, son who son of God who came. Ruin sitters to reclaim. Hallelujah, what a savior. 
And uh, yeah. Jesus was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. Even Handel, yeah. George Frederick Handel in his Messiah, uh, recorded yeah. that as part of the lyrics of that famous oratorio. And yeah. uh, so grief is part of the human experience, isn't it? Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that I write about is letting sorrow become your friend, letting grief become your friend. Now, how do you do very... that? that? That seems very strange. How do you allow grief? How does grief, well, which seems so negative, see, become your friend? Well, see, you really have two, op- two, two possibilities when you're faced with it, any level of sorrow. And that is you try to deny it, move away from it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that doesn't work. It holds all the cards. And it just, you know, people that do that end up in very, very deep, frustrating situations. And a lot of times they start stop living. Which means but that what, grief itself becomes your Lord and Master. Yep. Yeah. So, but the other thing is grief can become your, your best friend. And In what you, way? Well, here's, here's some ways that I, you know, I did it, you know. Uh, you know, I would sit in, I would sit, you know, in prayer in the morning and, and times, and I would try to live, live, relive some of the experiences Marcy than I have. Mm-hmm. And it really pleased me to be able to enter into a deeper relationship with her. You know, we went to, I went to her high school and walked around her high school. And, mm-hmm. you know, these are, can be very, very hard things to deal with. All right. So you brought up memories, memories. Yep. Uh, can help if we recite those memories and go back over them. Uh, the memories yep. can help us to overcome the grief because they're enabling us then to look at that life with gratitude instead of yep. just ever deepening grief. Yeah, and I think you, you know, you establish a very deep relationship with the person that you lost, and you know, it really does become a great friend. You know, and so. You know, it's it's so counter to everything that we think, but you really do have two possibilities, and that is to try to run and hide from it and forget it, which you can't do. The other one is to open yourself up and to enter into all of it. But it's very surprising that that, that br- brings great healing into your soul. And, yeah. Uh, so you know, as it, a former know, practicing lawyer, uh, <laughs> one of the things that I discovered is that very few people want to write wills. And the reason they don't want to write wills uh, or trust yeah. be, is because they they have to face their mortality, and yeah. they're already grieving that they're going to die someday. So they're not going to face it. They're not going to deal with it re, uh, realistically, and uh, yeah. that itself uh, becomes a kind of self paralysis, doesn't it? Yeah, it definitely does. And you know, a friend of mine said, you know, Christians are so afraid of death. You know, if someone's dying, they're still praying that they get healed, and they're in deep you know, deep, deep uh, pain and, you know, on their way to dying. And he said, you know, why can't we, uh, instead of just praying desperately for them to live, why can't we enter into this holy moment that's occurring as they die, you know? And it's, uh, you know, it can become a very beautiful thing. So what what, uh, you're really saying is that that becomes a, a very unusual sacred moment. Yeah, and that's the thing I'm so convinced is that and people will tell you this. If you go with your loved one and you're there present, they will say, this is one of the holiest moments that I've ever ever experienced in all my life. Mm. And, you know, we, we call Jeannie the angel of death. It's just in humor. 
but a number of times she's felt the need to go to the hospital if somebody's sick. She gets there, and sure enough, she helps escort that person into heaven. <laughs> so, mm. But wow. um, it's, uh, you know, it really is, it's, you know, a beautiful story happened with one of my best friends about four months ago. His All his kids are sitting around, and he's, in, you know, pretty close to dying, and they're singing songs, and they're telling him that they love him, and it's mm-hmm. a wonderful time. This guy was completely paralyzed. He had no ability to move any part of his body. Wow. Sudden, out of the clear blue, he sits straight up, which is impossible, mm-hmm. okay? And he stares into something, and then he lays back down and dies. For these kids, this is a moment they'll never forget the rest of your life. I and guess so. Holiest of all moments, you know? Yeah. And, you know, death, death can be a very wonderful, holy thing if we're not afraid of it. We keep trying to keep it away from us. We're missing something very wonderful. Well, and when then we have to ask the question, why am I so afraid of it? Yes, it's somewhat unknown. And yet we know we're told the Bible tells us, God tells us it's appointed unto man once to die. And after that, the judgment, I think the problem is we're afraid of the judgment. We really don't have confidence in the Lord. We really don't trust him. Uh, and yep. that's a serious problem, and it's testing our faith. When the Circle yep. is Broken, friends, that's the title of the book, and uh, I, I think you'll find it very helpful, very encouraging, particularly for someone who has gone through, maybe you know of, of someone who has gone through a, a recent uh, trial with uh, the passing of someone, uh, a grief that uh, just seems to be overwhelming, here is a book that will be very helpful. $16, we'll put it in your hands. It's on our website, saveus.org. That's saveus.org. You can give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA. That's 1-800-SAVE-USA. Or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. And remember, with all of these so-called uh, COVID deaths around, Death is very much on people's minds. It really is. Whether or not all those deaths are due to COVID or many other uh, comorbidities that they don't want to admit, death is still real. We'll be right back with our friend Bob Arnold after this. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. One of the ways we come to grips with grief is when others grieve with us. It's interesting, when you go back into the Old Testament, you find that when Joseph died, 
They brought his bones out of Egypt. When Abraham died, they brought him out of Egypt. And there was such a lament of grievers, of mourners, that the people all around wondered, has some king actually passed? What is all of this grief? An outpouring of grief. There's nothing wrong with that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And as the body of Christ, we should grieve with them who grieve. Don't you think so, Bob? Absolutely, you know. And of course, in Ecclesiastes, et cetera, it says, it's better to go to a house, to the house of mourning, than to go to the house of feasting. So death is the destiny of everyone. The living should take this to heart. Mm. The heart is in the house of mourning, but the heart of the foals is in the house of pleasure. And that's that's strong medicine for us as Americans. <laughs> but, uh, you, know, you know, the body of Christ uh, is to be a body. And yep. when we see someone in need, we are to respond. We're to carry right. one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So yep. this is not just a problem to be borne by the immediate family. This is yep. an issue to be borne by the greater body of Christ, isn't it? Yeah. And, you know, that was the thing that really gave us tremendous strength at the funeral home. There were so many people there. You know, literally the police were out directing traffic, and they were calling people and telling them not to come because they wouldn't get in. Wow. The believers, a lot of them are former Campus Life kids, came around us and you know, it's sort of a crazy story, but when someone close to me dies, I, I'm usually at a point where I'm broke. So my mother, <laughs> I had literally nothing in the bank, and I wasn't even sure how I was going to get there because I was a couple paychecks behind in youth of Christ, and mm-hmm. God came through, and I had money. But this situation, we're there at 6 o'clock in the morning, and a lot of friends are there, and I have $79 in the bank. Wow. And talking to my, my wife's sister-in-law, who was in the funeral business, says, well, this is going to cost between ten and $15,000. I think, well, there's no way possible. God will have to do something. And a little bit a little bit later, not too much longer, one of the board members of Youth for Christ came up to me, and I cry every time I tell that story. He said, mm-hmm. you go and bury Marcy. Marcy, in any way you want to, we're going to pay for everything. Mm. Wow. What a beautiful thing. So, uh, here was someone that God had endowed with resources beyond yours, uh, yeah. understood the need, and was willing to step up and yeah. embrace you with his own uh, additional wealth. Yeah. So it was just, a, you know, I mean, just an amazing thing because we're just, you know, we're powerless because Marcy's dead and she's in Myrtle Beach. We're powerless when they start talking about a funeral. Mm-hmm. There's God right in the midst, you know, and... It's through our friends, and our friends stayed with us and just, you know, actually they loved coming to our house. We would have 30, 40 people, 50 people at our house, and wow. people said this was the thing that was happening in Baltimore. We had to be there. <laughs> <laughs> and that's Well, why, that, you know, that drove the spirit of hospitality with you, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And it really is true that it's a very, very holy moment if you enter into it and, you know, and not be afraid of it. You know, it, it just can be such a wonderful thing. And, you know, a friend of mine said, you know, the body of Christ, when there's trouble, they know how to fight. Of course, 
also, when they're in trouble, they can also do pretty good fighting. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd like to know, and I'm sure <clears throat> our listeners would like to know, uh, Marcy had three younger siblings. You're right. And uh, how did they handle this? Well, how did they handle their older sister's passing so suddenly? Well, there, there's a you know beautiful chapter in my in the book that my daughter writes, and she's devastated. Marcy was her whole life; she was her hero. She would wait for her to come home at night, and they'd talk and just everything. And then Marcy wrote this beautiful letter to her when she went away to college, and for a year she said, you know, my life was just devastated. You know, Marcy was everything in my life. You know. And so for her, it was very, very, you know, very tough experience, but she was able to walk through it. And it's one of the most beautiful chapters in the book, her telling her story. Mm -hmm. How about her brother? Now, yeah, her brother, you know, he was at Catawba in North Carolina with, and living with a bunch of his lacrosse friends. So he calls and or we call him and tell him what's going on. And his lacrosse friends call back and say, what can we do? And they became this tremendous support system for him. And, you know, he went back and laid down in the bed, and, you know, he just started thinking about Marcy a little bit. And the next thing, he had a, a sense that Marcy's presence was with him. Hmm. And he said, see, I love you, Marcy. And then Marcy came back to him and said, I love you, Robert. Hmm. And, All right. And then, so, so that's going on in their minds and in their hearts. Uh, right. How long did uh, the sense of grief uh, and the experience of that to uh, take a grip on, on your family? For a long time, you know, and some ways it's still today doing it, you know. And mm -hmm. again, the tears I had a little bit ago, especially in the last month of publishing this book, mm -hmm. I'm so real and I so much miss Marcy and all the years that she was not part of her family. So yeah. it, it goes on. And one of the beautiful things that happened was, after Mark, uh, Julie and Robert graduated from college, for some reason, we all came back and they were all living in our house. Hmm. And for about years, there was this great time that, are, you know, now we were, were reacting to them as family and, you know, and as an adult. And it was a wonderful thing that God sort of pulled together where we were all together for a time. And it was just a very big renewal time for our family and, a, you know, a sense of, you know, coming together and mourning. Because, you know, after Marcy died, Julie went to college and Robert went to college, you know. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we were never the order, you know, it was, the circle was broken for a while. Yeah. But this time that we had of about two or three years was a very helpful thing of just bringing our, our family together again. Are your other children walking with the Lord, Bob? Yeah, they're all walking with the Lord and, you know, Having been in Youth for Christ, a beautiful thing, they were on retreats with us from the time they were two months old to mm -hmm. them, you know, to four or 25, you know. And so they experienced really a great movement of God for years and years. And so they they both, you know, all three of them have a very solid faith, you know. All right. So the circle is not broken then. It's reunited. Right. right. It's united oh. in Christ. Yeah. And... You know, the circle breaks at first because it's so paralyzing and so overwhelming right. all of a sudden that big empty thing, you know. And then to be able to deal honestly with your sorrow and to walk in it, you know, gives you a, a tremendous trust and confidence in God. And it takes you to a place that you don't, you know, 
and that's the surprising joy we had like with a funeral we had so many surprising joys and this is a hard thing for people to understand but my wife and i will both say this and that is we never never ever wanted marcy to die but we also have come to the realization we would never wanted to have missed all the things that god has done in our life in the last 18 years all right, so that brings up a question that always comes up in uh, times of uh, loss, in times of trouble, and that is mm-hmm. the question, why? Right. Everybody wants to know why. Why God? Did you attribute yep. at any time, did you and your wife attribute this to God causing uh, uh, Marcy to be taken from you? Well... You know, I, I don't believe God takes people away from us. You know, I believe we live in a world where these things happen. And what you said over and over, you know, I repeat this way, and that is death is our enemy. Death is God's enemy. And Christ has broken the power of death through the cross. And so that's a, a very, very important thing. And see, in this situation, whatever you want to do in a lot of the deep situations in life, you're only left with one possibility, and that possibility is, is mystery. Mm-hmm. You can take all the, there's all the wise men in the world, and they can never come up with a conclusion about why Marcy died. It's just unsatisfied. But when you start to walk deeper in the Lord, there is this sense that you've got to live in mystery, but the mystery is, is a strong foundation of love and forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Well, that's you know, true. And how you know, um, how are your other uh, children uh, dealing with the potential uh, because they're suffering and uh, the, the very same heart condition is uh, deep-rooted in their beings? Yeah, yeah. And I think that, you know, walking through this and, you know, for months after Marcy died, my friends were coming over here once a week and I would share my grief with them and our kids were there with us while it was happening. And it was so good for them to see the community of Christ really working together and, mm-hmm. you know, see me and Jeannie not just trying to avoid Marcy's death. But, right. but really- when your kids, you've said that your children, every one of them has the same basic heart condition that I- caused uh, their sister to pass. How are they right. dealing with that? Well, there's there's a lot of stories behind that, but I think uh, in some ways, like my son, you know, we we bought defibrillators for all our kids, and my son hmm. basically, and they medicine that they were taking, you know, on his own, he stopped taking it, and the same thing came with my daughter, with it, they she stopped taking it, and of course, my younger daughter really was never at the age where she was at risk, but so they pretty much, you know sort of have a confidence they were going to go on and live her life. The biggest uh-huh. heartbreak, my youngest daughter's a tremendous athlete, and she was told at, at the beginning that she would never play sports again and that she really shouldn't even jog, you know. Hmm. And it was a hard thing. But, you know, we went and saw other doctors that gave us an assurance that she could play. She just had to be careful, and there need to be a defibrillator available, you know. Wow. So, well, but, it's uh, you, you've got potential grief hovering over the head, on the other hand, in reality, none of us knows what the next day will bring. None of us even knows what the rest of the day will bring. Yeah. And uh, 
it's been said that today was tomorrow yesterday. (laughs) In other words, time uh, just comes in upon us. And what we need to do is live as if today were the last moment and seize that moment and only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. That should hover over our conversation, I think, don't you? Yeah, and I think it's a very important thing to reevaluate your life and what are you really living for? And, you know, is it really, when it all shakes down, are you going to be satisfied that that's what you wanted with your life, you know? Yeah. So you can pursue mine, you can pursue all these things, but when it all shakes down, is that really what you want to happen? Well, it's for certain you're not going to be able to hitch a uh, a trailer with whatever it is you're trying to uh, gather in this life. You're not going to hitch a tra- trailer to the hearse. So, yeah. <laughs> friends, it's time for us to really think, think seriously about time, about eternity, about our families, about life, about uh, yeah. the family of God. Uh, I, I know that uh, my wife and I, uh, are continually talking, not not in a a, a deep uh, grief kind of a situation, but we're constantly evaluating and reevaluating uh, our life and uh, yeah. where we're putting our emphasis, where we're putting our time, where we're putting our attention. And uh, I, I think that's what we need to do continually, don't you? Yeah, you know, this morning I met with one of my friends. He's in his 20s. And he has four kids now. He said, well, I'm really looking for a purpose in my life. And I said, let me tell you what the most important purpose is. Love and enjoy God. Love and enjoy people. And bless and enjoy God's creation. I said, there's mm-hmm. nothing better to do right now than to love your life, your wife, and to love your children. Yeah, there you go. And- All right. Well, friends, we're right at the end of the conversation here. Our guest, Bob Arnold, with his book, When the Circle is Broken, Our Journey Through Deep Sorrow and Surprising Joy in the Loss of Our Daughter, Marcy. I hope this has been helpful to someone listening today. The book is on our website, saveus.org. $16 will put it in your hands. Give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA. And I urge you to become a partner as we're always preparing the way of the Lord for history's final hour, confronting the deepest issues of America's heart and home from God's eternal perspective. Yes, even today. You've been listening to Viewpoint. Thank you very much for giving me the opportunity to support by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home. 